do everything I can to be good to you. So thank, thankful that everybody's here tonight. First Peter chapter 4. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting us and being friends to us. We appreciate it very much. Chapter number 4, verse number 12, and verse number 13. Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Would you stretch your hands toward heaven and ask the Lord to touch us here in this place? Would you please sincerely call out to the Lord? Father, I step to this place very respectfully, Lord. I respect this place. I respect your word. I respect these people, Lord. Yet I also step here very passionately, Lord. I'm passionate about your word and about this place and about your people. Oh, God, give me liberty to preach your word. Give us liberty, Lord, to receive your word and to believe your word and to respond to your word. In Jesus' name we ask it and everyone can say amen, amen. From this passage, I need to preach to you tonight for a few minutes about a trial that is worthwhile a trial that is worthwhile there have been a few times in my life brother Jarvis when I have been able to foresee some trials coming to me some hardships of life I've had a little warning of them maybe maybe you dream a dream a prophetic dream and you know it's not a pizza dream and you just it, it's like the Lord puts you on notice anybody ever had a spiritual dream it's like the Lord puts you on notice that you need to be careful you got something ahead of you I've heard some prophetic sermons where this the, the man of God spoke a word he didn't know it was coming to me but I knew it was mine and and it kind of put me on notice I need to pray a little more I've got some I've got some trouble coming my way. There's a trial with my name on it, and I'm going to be ready for it because I was warned in a sermon. There have been times when the Lord has burdened us in prayer. Have you ever, in prayer, felt like the Lord, maybe you didn't hear His voice, but you felt His Spirit trying to prepare you for something that might be coming ahead? Maybe you didn't know what it was, but you knew there was an approaching bump in the road through prayer, and you were going to be ready for it if you could at all. It's like a big sign next to the road saying, slow down, curve ahead, downhill grade, next six miles. Most of us in a car, we don't think about a sign like that, but... If you're driving a big truck or driving a big, big motor home and it says 6% grade next 26 miles, you slow down. If you don't, you're going to burn your brakes up or have to take one of those 
off ramps, truck ramps. I don't want to do that. Those warnings are profitable to us if we heed them. But there are other times that life gives us no warning at all. One knock on the door and our lives can turn upside down. One text message, one piece of mail, one phone call can change it all. With absolutely no notice, we are plunged into class six rapids. And before we know what hit us, we are fighting for our lives. We're not sure whether the waves are going to get us or the rocks are going to get us. We're just pretty sure something is going to get us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No notice. No notice whatsoever. And before you know it, you are neck deep or above in trouble. Yet in all of this, Peter says, think it not strange. In trouble, with the troubles of life, don't think it's strange. The fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You know what he's saying to us? We should know that life comes fully equipped with trouble. I don't like that part of it, but that is part of life. That's, it's not, it's not, it's not something that's thrown on you extra, although it sure feels like it sometimes. Think it not strange. Don't get all worked up about this and say, I'm the only one in trouble. Peter said, it comes with the territory. I need to begin tonight by telling you that if you are a Christian, Satan will conspire against you. If you are a Christian, Satan will conspire against you. I remember sitting in my pastor's office one day and I was telling him some of the things that I was into and some of the battles I was having. And and in the middle of my explaining... He started chuckling. I didn't take that very well. I didn't say anything. But I thought, how irreverent that is. He's over there. I'm trying to tell him that I'm dying over here. And he's kind of laughing under his breath at me. And so I said, what? What are you laughing at? (laughs) And he said, Davy... Just because you beat the devil the last time, what do you think, he died or something? You think you dealt him a fatal blow just because you got victory over him the last time? Son, he just regrouped and come back. That is what he does. Saints of God, if you are blood-bought, If you are born again, you are going to face challenges from the enemy. They are designed to darken your forecast, to disrupt your future, and damage your faith if he can. 
If he can damage your faith in God, he's going to count it as a good day's work. Satan will fight against you. You and I are going to be buffeted. We are going to be sifted as wheat. You may endure adversity in your family. You may encounter abandonment from your friends. You may suffer affliction in your body. You may stumble into attacks in your mind. But one way or another, if you are a Christian, the devil is going to do his dead level best to drag you back into his territory. That's the goal. He wants to... He wants to spoil your experience. He wants to ruin your relationship with God. He is out to do it. And I, and I know some people talk bad about the devil in as he's weak or he's that. And, 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 and I don't want to get into that argument. I can't handle him. But Christ can. I know I can't handle him. But I know Christ can. But he is good at his craft. He's been practicing this craft for 6,000 years and he has drugged more people back into torment and took them to hell than you and I want to admit. Some of them right in our own family. But he's going to do it to you if he can. He's not satisfied with past victories. He wants you. I said he wants you. He wants your marriage. I don't, it doesn't matter how many years you've been married. He wants your marriage. He wants your children. He wants your relationship. Difficult seasons are going to come into our life because the devil wants us down. And difficult seasons are not fun. And trials are not enjoyable. I've never known anyone to say with any degree of seriousness, Boy, I can't wait to see what the next challenge is. Our song leader at Dryden Road for probably 40 years, Brother Sylvester Carpenter, Jacqueline remembers him well. Some of these folks from Bond heard Brother Sylvester sing. He was a mountain of a man. Some of you probably knew Sylvester Carpenter. You guys are carpenters. He was, he was a mountain of a man and a singing machine. I have heard him sing for two hours at altar service as hard as he could go. I mean like leather lungs. He, if you got tired, phone the vest, he can do it. And when he would get to feeling the Lord, he'd start moving those two fingers like that. Big, broad shoulders, leaned way back, moving those fingers. And one night... We were, having, we were having a Holy Ghost service and he got to feeling it and, and, and he was pointing his fingers and he said, where's the devil at when I need him? That's not what he meant to say. What he was trying to say is, where's the devil at now when I'm feeling the Lord? But what he said was, where's the devil at when I need him? We don't need him, do we? He doesn't seem to come around in Holy Ghost services. He doesn't seem to come around when you're covered with the Spirit. But when, the, when you're not covered with the Spirit and, and you're out there struggling for your very existence, He will be there. He will be there on a right regular basis trying 
to steal your experience. And Peter said during that, rejoice. That's a hard one, isn't it? But Paul put it in a perspective I can understand. Maybe this will give me some joy. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. That may give me a little bit of joy in the middle of this trouble if I can just hang on. In the middle of this battle, if you can just hang on, my brother, if you can just hang on, my sister, there is something coming better than this. If you can make it through it, if you are an overcomer, if you win, it's going to be worth it all. Oh, yes, it is. Heaven's going to be worth the journey when we get there. And to help me get that mindset, I've often got to adjust my thinking a little bit. When troubles come to me, my first prayer is, Oh, God, how can I get out of this? Does that... that, is that your reaction? It's mine. Lord, how can I get out of this? Maybe I need to adjust that prayer. Change one word. And say, Lord, what can I get out of this? Instead of how can I, can I get out of this? Maybe what can I get out of this? Is there something profitable for me spiritually in this trial. Tell you what has been my experience for 40 years. When I prematurely get out of that trial, it's going to come around again. When I some way escape that test, it's going to show it. May not be the same question, but that test is coming back because there's something in there I needed. To learn. Is that, is that hard for us to, to grab a hold of? That troubles teach us? But they do. Oh yes they do. Just like my dad taught me how to work. When I didn't want to work. When it was cold and he was working in those little factories down in Corwin. I didn't want to be there. He would say, get your hands out of your pockets. I was cold. Get your hands out of your pockets. Nobody's going to hire you with your hands in your pockets. And he's right. you got to be working, right? And when things didn't go good, we just kept pushing, pushing. I watched him. Just going to do it anyway. And there's been times when... when, when you, th you think preaching is the hardest part of evangelizing. No, owning a bus is the hardest part of evangelizing. And there's been times I had to get something done. I didn't have anybody to do it. I'd have paid somebody if they were there. And I told my wife, I said, we just got to do it. Hand me that tool again. We're going to do it again. We're just going to do it. And, and, and you know, just about 100% of the time, eventually, I got it. And I learned that through trouble. Trouble taught me perseverance push through keep going oh I don't think y'all are getting this yet 
Do it again, Davy. Do it again, brother. Do it again, sister. Persevere. Push through. There's something that you can learn from this horrible situation. Satan will conspire against you. But I want you to see this. Satan is not guaranteed to succeed. He's going to fight against you. But he has no guarantee of winning. We have the guarantee of winning if we make up our mind. Now, have people walked away and quit and lost to the devil? Yes. There's people, I don't know them, but there's people probably right here from these pews, maybe even worked in this pulpit or sang in this pulpit or played an instrument, prayed around these altars that are now in the world, stuck in a bottle somewhere, stuck with a needle somewhere, someone in a horrible relationship, someone with a a profane mind or a profane mouth that used to sing the praises of God. So sometimes the devil wins. Am I preaching right to you? Sometimes the devil wins. But I come to preach to you. He don't have to. I said he don't have to win. He's not guaranteed to win. No, he's not. We have the guarantee. If we hang on to God, if we call on God, if we stay faithful to God, we are guaranteed success over the enemy we don't have to go back we don't have to give up we don't have to give in we don't have to lose to the devil he's not guaranteed to win we are come on over to the winning side hallelujah we're following Jesus we got our banner held high we are winners saints of God I said we are winners Have we always won? No. But that's because of our weakness, not God's weakness. God has guaranteed us victory in the midst of our trouble. People go back to sin. Peter said, back to the wallowing in the mire. And then he said, The proverbial dog going back and eating its own vomit. Oh, preacher, that's gross. Yeah, it is gross. Or Paul wrote it. Paul wrote that down because it is gross. He wants us to see how gross going back is. But we don't have to go back. I said we don't have to go back. (laughs) We don't ever have to go back. We don't have to backslide. I said we don't have to backslide. We don't have to lose our children to sin. No, we don't have to. We've lost enough of them to sin. All you young people, none of you have to go back. No, you don't. Every one of you can go forward. We don't ever have to lose another young person. If you get your mind made up and say, Lord, I'm going through, He's going to pull you through. You can make it. You're guaranteed to make it if you want to. We do not ever have to lose again (laughs) Satan will conspire against you but he's not guaranteed success I, I look around this church and we love coming here and one of the reasons we love coming here there's such a 
mix in age groups. There's always young people here, teenagers here, mom and dads, people our age, grandparents, older saints of God. And I could talk to these older saints of God. Some of them I know have been serving God 40 and 50 plus years. You know how they made it this long? They didn't make it this long because they have some type of favor from God that we don't have. They didn't make it this long because God gave people back years ago a special dispensation of grace. No, they made it one day at a time, one step at a time, adding up to one year at a time. They made it just like we're going to make it by the grace of God. Hallelujah. We make it because God gives us grace every day to make it. The troubles come. The challenges come. I'm sure that some of these saints that have been serving God for years have faced challenges that I have yet to face. The loss of loved ones, the loss of children, cancer and all these diseases, financial reversals. But they stayed saved. (laughs) The devil threw his best at them, but they stayed saved. And we can too. Satan will come, Satan will conspire, but he's not guaranteed to win. God will always have a church. (laughs) I said God will always have a church. Kelly and I were in Southern California last year. Sometime in May, early June. And I listened to a preacher not, not live, not in person. I was listening to a preacher preach. And he said, this was, his, this was his theory, Brother Jarvis. The rapture is going to take place just before God's church completely loses its victory. He said we're getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And just before the church is totally gone, God's going to come and take us away. Well, there's something you need to know about preaching. If preaching doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not right. (laughs) I don't care who preaches it. I don't care how high they jump or how much they speak in tongues. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not right. And that does not line up with the Bible. God is going to send Christ after a church that is battle-tested. Going to send Christ after a church that's been through the fire. He's coming after a church that's been through the flood. And Christ is going to present a church, not that's almost dead, but a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any. Any such thing. A holy church without blemish. Hallelujah. Saints of God, the devil's going to fight. The trials are going to come. But we are going to be a victorious church. Do you hear me tonight? We're going to be a victorious church. I know the devil's trying to destroy you, but lift up your heads, saints of God. I said lift up your heads. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your hands toward God. We're going to be victorious. And every trial is going to be worthwhile when we see His face. 
Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. <laughs> Listen to me, dear friends. One of these days, and it won't be long, they're going to look for us. And we'll be gone. Hallelujah. They're going to turn the corner. And we're going to be home. Every mile. Every trial. Is going to be worthwhile. Amen. And until we get to that point. We have. A very peculiar promise. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Paul's. Talking about living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. I mean, that chapter is awesome. And he gets to verse 28. And he says, and we know this. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, I'm looking at some of our trials and I'm wondering... What's good about that? Are, are y'all going to help me here just a moment? Tell me, what's good about cancer in our bodies or in the bodies of our loved one? What's good about that? What's good about COVID and death from COVID? What's good about heart attacks? What's good about all these diseases? This verse cannot mean for our physical good. Is, is that okay? Don't throw anything at me. Nobody winding up with a songbook in your hand, are you? This verse, Brother Jarvis, cannot mean because Christians get sick. Now, I, I know there have been some, some bodies of believers that preach that Christians will never get sick. And that Christians don't really ever die. But they lived long enough to prove it wrong. Christians do get sick. Christians do die. So this can't be for our physical good. Well, maybe it's for our financial good. All Christians always have lots of money. Is that true? Nobody going to help me. Have you ever been a Christian... And had no money. You don't have to raise your hand. But we could. Have you ever been saved? Mom, dad, couples. Have you, you know you're saved. And you had no money to buy pizza. No money to buy groceries. And no money to put in the gas tank. I think a bunch of us have been there. I don't know. Maybe we're the only ones, Odie. <laughs> We lived in Ohio years ago. It was a, Brother Benny would call on Odie to sing once in a while. And every time she sang, a man in the church would walk up and give her $5. There were times on the way to church we prayed that Brother Benny would ask her to sing. So we could take that $5 and put it in the gas tank. It's embarrassing. Ain't no telling how much we owe Odie. <laughs> We've had some poor times, and I know, Sister Jarvis, we were saved. I know we were. So it can't be for our financial good, but all things work together for good. must be for our emotional good, but I haven't always been emotionally as stable and as strong as I would have liked to be, and I know I was saved. 
You gotta, you gotta go down to the next verse. Not for our physical good, not for our financial good, not for our emotional good. No. It's to be conformed to the image of His Son. All these troubles, all these trials, all these sicknesses, they're, they're designed of the devil to destroy us. But they are redesigned by God to conform us into the image of Christ. That makes the trial worthwhile. If I can somehow come through this, if I can somehow squeeze through this tough place, if I somehow can overcome this and I can be more like Jesus after it's over. Oh, anybody want to help me here just a moment? If you can make this, friend, if you can make it and be more like Jesus, then it's been good. Wasn't easy. Don't want to go through it again. But it was worthwhile. I said it was worthwhile because it caused you to be more like Jesus. If something elevates me to more Christ-likeness, then it's my friend, even though it's treated me like a foe. When I come through the sickness, when I come through the strain, when I come through the sorrow, and I'm more like Christ, oh, hallelujah, that makes me say the trial is worthwhile. Just a moment more. February 6, 2021. I was so sick that night. I was sure I was dying. I was seven days since I had tested positive for COVID. My fever was raging unbelievably high. And then sinking unbelievably low. I would hesitate even to tell you how high and low it was for fear that you would think I was exaggerating. I was tracking it with two thermometers. And they were always within a half a degree of each other. Back and forth. Every 15 or 20 minutes. 30 hours of this. My temperatures back and forth. And I felt like I had went as far as I could go. Brother John Gabbard called that night, it was a snowy night. It was a Saturday night. I was in the bus. The bus was tucked into the old barn there. And the snow was raging outside. And I felt like I was dying. Brother John Gabbert called about 9 o'clock that night. He said, Davey, sister, me and Sister Ann are going to prayer right now. And I mean they did. I, I never have asked him, but I figured they must have already been praying because they went from zero to about 120 and about like that. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can pray and you can pray through. Anybody know the difference? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, they went right through to God. And the Holy Ghost dropped in that bus. And the Holy Ghost saturated me. The Holy Ghost covered me. I, I was right there. I was marching in place. Pray into the top of my lungs and the Holy Ghost covered me. Oh, it was an experience that I will, I don't think I'll ever forget all by myself, just me and Jesus in the bus. Kelly was up at Otis' house. 
and the Holy Ghost came in. My fever fluctuations stopped immediately. No more fever fluctuations. But the trial was not over. I was sick for many more months. I was off work for seven months. I was on oxygen for ten months. I'm still dealing with effects of it now almost two years later. But for three solid months after that night, the Holy Ghost was near me in a way that I have never felt Him. Brother Jarvis, I can't explain this, but for three solid months, the presence of the Lord settled down on me and stayed on me and, and, and never left me. I could raise my hand and He was there. I could say Jesus and He was there. I could sing a song and He was there. I could quote a scripture and He was there. Three solid plus months, way up into May, before I felt that kind of drift away from me. I come to tell you, my friend, I don't ever want to be that sick again without dying. But I want to tell you something. If He comes and stands by me like that, it'd be worthwhile. Oh, I need to preach to you. The presence of God can make the trial worthwhile. That's what you need right now. That's what you need on Thursday night more than anything. More than a new pill. More than a new thrill. More than a way out of this. You need to be covered with the Holy Ghost. We need an old time moving of the Holy Ghost. We are in a Pentecostal church. A church that has been known through the years as a moving place for the Holy Ghost. Where lives could touch people. With, could be touched by the Holy Ghost. That's what we've got to have on Thursday night revival we've got to have a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost anybody need it anybody feel like you're in a, over your head in this trouble I'll tell you what you got to have you got to have a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost Lord come down on us Lord if you come down on us the trial is worthwhile if you come down on us we can make it anybody get what I'm preaching anybody understand it anybody agree with it anybody want it that's the final question if you want it get up out of your seat please make your way down to this altar kneel or stand however you feel comfortable and say Lord you've got to make this trial worthwhile Lord, I've got to be covered with the Holy Ghost tonight. On this Thursday night, Lord, I need more than just a good word. I need more than a good sermon. I need a good move of the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come on, make your way to this altar. Lord, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, Lord, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you are filled, Lord, I need a fresh 